Welcome to Conscious Conversations, where we aim to inspire deep and meaningful interactions that grow into a community of practice that is committed to healing, resilience, and expansion. We'll be having conversations with spiritual teachers, impact leaders, plant medicine, and holistic health practitioners about spirituality and personal leadership tools and resources and how these can help communities cultivate more harmonious and purposeful lives. I am Mabato Munzi. Join me as we laugh, cry and ponder the meaning of life, the universe and your role in it. Today I'm speaking to Matthew Raderman. Matthew is the owner of the Kahe Hands Massage Studios, which apply an Hawaiian healing approach to touch therapy and distinctively focuses and recognizes the inherent integrity of the whole body. Matthew has a background in human resource management, business process design, and executive leadership. Hi, Matthew. Hi. Please tell us about yourself. Okay. I, I feel like I've had a lot of different lives. <laughs> I did not start out exclusively in the healing business. Um, it was part of my life. Um, but I grew up in a big family and we were uh, relatively poor family um, in the sense that uh, we didn't have a lot of money and we grew up without. But I now currently run my own business, which is a change to what I was taught to get into a job, get a career, you know, do all those sorts of things, get a job and, and, and work in that career. But now I have my own studio. Uh, we have a number of beds and we practice touch and healing therapy. Mm. And um, you say you, you grew up poor as a child. Mm. Just tell us a bit more about your childhood mm. and some of the life experiences that have helped you become who you are. Mm. So we're a large family. There were eight kids at home, four boys, four girls. Um, eldest brother passed away. And we grew up in an environment where we were down in Cape Town. Uh, we were on the beach often. So it was a very family-oriented environment. At the time when we were growing up, we didn't know we were poor. We had no idea. We just, that was life. You know, you, you ate rice and boiled eggs for a living and that was how you survived. And there was nothing strange about that. That was mm -hmm. just what it was. We thought everybody lived that way. Uh, we didn't know any different. Uh, we just enjoyed the beach and we had a, a nice relaxed life. So you don't, as a child, I certainly don't remember thinking I'm poor. Mm. I started to engage that or see, oh, wow, I really don't have what other people have when mm. you, when I got to school and you suddenly realize your school bag looks a little different. Mm. Uh, you don't have as many school clothes. Your mom's telling you how to get, um, secondhand clothing from the secondhand store mm. because you don't have any. Uh, so you can't play rugby unless you go and fetch your own rugby clothes from the secondhand store. So it was those sorts of things that you suddenly realized, oh, wow, we're very different. Um, your lunch looked different if you had so there were those sorts of things that informed us oh wow you're very different to other people in in your environment in your space mm. it teaches you to be resourceful though you know mm. if, when you don't have and you you want to participate in something you've got to find other ways to 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 participate in it so it, it swings in roundabouts a devoutly catholic family 
Um, we were mm-hmm. very Christian, very, very oriented, and that led to a lot of confusion. Uh, lots of praying, not a lot of necessary deliverance from the practical things of life. Mm-hmm. So there was this big disconnect between your prayer life and actual life. And it, and, and that felt troublesome for me because if praying didn't materialize in food or a practical outcome, what was the point of it? So spiritually, it was very difficult, and you kind of had to separate these two things and go, mm. well, oh, no, you're going to grow up, and you're going to become this Catholic individual in your spirituality, but in the practical world, you have to be somebody a little different, mm. because these two things don't necessarily mean, you know, it's not like a, a slot machine, put money in, make a prayer, and suddenly get an answer. Mm. So those Troubling developments as a child materialized in an individual who, when I finished school, I went into the military, uh, went into special forces, uh, became an operational diver in the South African Navy, uh, and, and I thought that was where my life was going. Mm. And I had this moment where I'd broken my ankle. I was sitting in the Simonstown HR office uh, watching ships leave Simonstown Harbor, and it was a, do, do I really want to put my life on the line or do I have maybe more to offer? Mm. And so I got out of that way of living, got into human resources and started a career there. And I'd separated the body, the physical world, where you live, where you operate, where you get an income from to be able to survive, mm. to the spirituality, which is something that happened on a Sunday. It happened at the event. So, so that spirituality was happening there. And then there was this, this nagging ongoing thing about how do I find this healing, this, this other connectedness, this other thing that, that kept gnawing at, at, at my inside. Mm. And that somehow never really materialized. And I thought that was perhaps, you know, needing to become a priest. So, you know, do you need to consider that lifestyle? Mm. And it was, it was really that challenge of trying to develop all of these different skills and find a way to mesh them that led me to a, hold on, here is a practice where these things are not separated. Mm. They're not independent of one another. Mm. There is a way that you can find peace and grace and calm and love and acceptance and still make a living Mm. and still live in the world. I want to go back to what you said around people often thinking of prayer and God in their everyday life or burdens as separate. Mm. Um, We tend to either only speak to God when we ask for things, right? And then things Mm. don't happen the way we want them to happen, There's obviously a disconnect there. I think something that we often are not doing right. So how Mm. we pray, number one, Mm. and when we pray, how much of God we choose to involve in our life. Mm. The example you used of going Mm. to church on a Sunday. And so people reserve the first part of their morning for church, and that is the relationship they have with God. Otherwise, it's every now and then when they want something. Can you just expand a bit on your understanding Mm. around that dynamic and how we have been socialized to view God? Mm. It's one of those things that happen to you. You choose your faith later on in life. But where you find yourself situated is something that happens to you. It's not something that you chose. Mm. 
So if what would happen if you were born in the middle of China? What faith would you have if that was where you were born? Mm. You didn't choose where you were born. So where I was born, I was born into a Catholic family. I was born into an environment where I went to visit God. He was not with me necessarily. And I'm saying that as a child. Obviously, that's a a, a child mentality looking at faith. That isn't the way it is. Mm. And it isn't the way the Catholic faith teaches it. It's just as a child, that's what I saw. I saw going to church was something that we did on a Sunday. So that was faith. It was located around a building. Mm. It wasn't located with me. It was to do with me, my goodness. Mm. meant I'm going to get something. So it was very much like a slot machine for me. Transactional. And, and it, was a, it was a transaction. So if I'm good and I listen to my parents and I do all the things that I'm supposed to do, well, then God will bless me. And unfortunately, that image of a man sitting on a cloud waiting to judge me was created because of both the church experience but also because of my father. Mm. So I had a very angry God. You were waiting to cane me. You, you were waiting to beat me. You know, so I was petrified of him. Mm. I, I am still. Th- those burdens haven't left me. I just spend less time carrying them. Mm. So the, this picture of God has grown to know, hold on, God, A, he's not a man. He's neither male nor female. He was never a human. He mm-hmm. is not a human. But without him, any single one of us, regardless of your faith, cease to exist. If he stops caring and loving and pouring all of himself into you, you stop being. Mm. So he, he, regardless of which area on the planet you got born, he's loving you. He's caring for you. And that took a long time for me to be able to spend time reading the Bible and actually understand what, what, what it was saying rather than what was sometimes being taught because as failed individuals, who am I to teach you anything? Yeah. I, 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 you know, my bad experience, your bad experience, together we're going to give each other bad experiences. Mm. We're not teaching each other anything, but there is this, this tiny thin film of truth that, that we can hopefully together find and discover. It, it was something that happened over a period of time of constantly seeing that definition of what God is mm. and that God applies to every living person on the planet, that mm. there's no distinction between them. He cares and loves for everyone and everything, and everything is alive. Mm. Not one thing is more alive than yeah. another. It's just our appreciation for it. So... uh it took a while for me, uh, and, and I still struggle with it. As I said, it's, it's a thing that I carry with me to this day. I still am waiting for God to judge me. I still walk around going, I'm not worthy. It's a, it's a thing that is an everyday, okay, hold on, take that off. <laughs> you don't need it. Mm. And maybe over a period of time, it gets a little bit less wearisome. It may be a little bit less heavy to have to carry it. But over a period of time, uh, I find it's easier to see God as a source of love, a source of energy, a source of caring and nurturing. And that despite life, the physical expression of life, which is very different, that's sometimes cruel. 
that that is entirely an unfair process it's not this nurturing being held and mollycoddled you just have to go and walk on a street and see life is not that way it's it's unfair and it's cruel and we have to deal with that reality and that doesn't mean that somebody is le- loving you less it's just that that's where we're at it, that's the world we find ourselves in. That's the reality of the here and now, of the mm. physical. But that's not what we are. It's just where we are located. So the fact that we sit here now doesn't necessarily mean that this is who and what we are. It's just where and when we are. And and that becomes a little bit more challenging. So it starts to separate us into those three things. We are a spiritual being mm. having a human experience. And so we've got to look at how am I connected to that spirit? Because that spirit world is is huge. And, mm. and by and large, humanity as a whole has not spent any time trying to investigate into it if you do you're seeing it it's quackery it's you're, you know you're, you're, you've got to smoke something to get there you know yes. it, it's not seen as something that is that, no actually I'm a spiritual human being for me to have this conversation with the spirit world or, or try to commune with it maybe or, or simply acknowledge its presence and its influence in mm. my life is seen as no no you're not quite there you know you, you know you, you maybe lost thing the, the plot a little and so is it through your spiritual or your earlier spiritual journey that you got into the work that you do no so our family fought we, we're a family of fighters. Mm. So ballet dancers and fighters. <laughs> I'm on the side of the fighters. The daughters all went, and my sisters went and, and did ballet. They did some form of dancing. Okay. And uh, the boys all went and did boxing and fighting. So as I got into high school, I was doing a lot of fighting. I was doing a lot of Muay Thai, and my hands were wrecked. So I needed to repair them. My sensei at the time, his wife was a Thai healer. Mm. And she started to teach me how to repair broken skin, um, take care of bruising on the shins, and how to, if you've got a dead leg, how do you release it? So mm. she was starting to teach me things like reflexology um, and Thai massage. And I just had a natural desire to learn. I had a deep desire to understand how the body worked and how it was uh able to heal itself so that started in high school I studied my first reflexology course there it was in that moment when they start talking about things like part of a time massage is about how healthy is your blood flow and you start looking at that going like hold on what what do you mean that's part of health I didn't understand that was part of health or what foods you were eating what time of the day were you eating those foods and Mm. were they healthy for you so there was this whole understanding about health and seeing the body which was a revelation to me and if that was the case what else had I been schooled in that perhaps was maybe a mistake Mm. I I felt very guilty about that I felt like I was losing my faith like I was stepping away from it and it wasn't until I I spoke to a couple of people said listen I'm, I'm really concerned because you know I don't want to be stepping over to the dark side and doing something that is against my faith by mm. studying reflexology and one of the, um, he, he's quite a, a famous Catholic priest. He was, uh, Bonaventure Henwood. So he, he'd been mm-hmm. on TV quite a couple of times. Um, and he'd written a number of books. And one of the pieces of advice that he told me, he said, what, what's your intention? Why are you doing this? 
where's your heart at? What, why are you trying to understand this? And so I explained to him, I said, I have a deep desire to understand healing mm. and, and how to help the body perform better. Whether it's the body, whether it's the mind, or whether it's the spirit, and those three things in those early days had already developed into practicing in the church, in the healing practices, and doing the weekend aways, you know, all those sorts of mm. things. So, so we were doing the healing practices, but it was spirit, and spirit had been separated from physical, and it had been certainly separated from the the world you lived in. You know, mm. you didn't you didn't participate in that. So it was trying to find a way to to blend all of those things together that that was what started to lead me down that path. Okay, and would you say you wanting to learn about how the body works was so that you could specifically heal yourself or there was something beyond you in that mm. curiosity, I guess? So I always had a curiosity for healing others. It was very little I noticed that I was trying to heal myself. I, I think that actually I became a guinea pig in my experiments to to see, oh, well, if, if I did this for somebody else, would it work on me? Mm. So I was really the first person that I practiced it on. But I wasn't going down the path as a path of self-healing. It was a how do I help others? Yeah. So I, I don't think I ever really – it wasn't a personal journey that I went on some – spiritual experience for yourself uh, no mm. no and part of that for me is you, you know personal experience is just that it's a personal experience you can't really share that other than by saying listen I, this is my experience healing has to be beyond you and it can't be controlled by you so as a healer i my viewpoint is that i'm actually not the healer mm. Uh, and, and that's quite a, an important element of healing is recognizing that I'm not the healer. I'm just the facilitator. God is the healer. He is the one who heals body, mind, spirit. Mm. It's his energy, his love that is pouring into you. If you will allow it, that can happen. Mm. So it it wasn't from a, oh, wow, I've had this personal revelation. I've had many. I continue to have many personal revelations. But those are, those are about my own journey, not, not necessarily how, how I would contribute to somebody else's. Mm. The benefit of that is that there's an enormous relief in knowing that I'm not the person who's responsible for your healing. You spoke about intention. Mm. How important, going back to where we started around prayer mm. and the dreams that we have or the mm. things that we, that we want to learn to what end, mm. right? And I find that a lot of spiritual teachers, a lot of people who have done significant work around issues of spirituality or healing or really just having a substantial contribution to society speak about the power of intention mm. and that when our dreams are more than just about us so mm. our personal benefit it you know it really changes so much what are your thoughts on that mm. it's very difficult i think for most of us to get beyond ourselves because it's <laughs> it's the thing that we see most often. You know, we look in the mirror. You're doing something for yourself. If we can acknowledge 
that none of us are here for our own purpose, the magic starts to take place, I mm. think. And if you can acknowledge that this is my real intention, is to serve, we really change the landscape of what is possible for people. You know, Christ himself uh, was not able to perform any miracles in his own hometown. Because people's perception of him were so fixed that they couldn't get beyond the notion that he was only operating for himself. They they had trapped him sure. there. They, they, they had him trapped. All of us have experienced going to a family event where people have last seen you a number of years ago and the way the family treat you is when they last saw you. So if the last time they saw you was when you were a child in school, the fact that you've got two kids <laughs> and you're a grown adult, yes. that's how you get treated by them. You get mm. treated like a child because that's when last they saw you. So you're trapped in the, the history. It's, it's the reason forgiveness is so important. Forgiveness is not about the other person. It's about you. It's about the fact that you've put yourself in a cage. Mm -hmm. You've located your thoughts in the past. And so you've put yourself in that place. So if our intentions are not in ourselves, can you imagine what we could accomplish? Sure. Because if, if, if it's all about you, you're a limited <laughs> human being. So we, when, we, when we say, no, it's not about me, it's about how can I use what my gifts are to the benefit of others? When I can do that, then God actually has a pathway into that situation. Mm. Then, then he has this open door. Uh, I can't remember the program now. I think it's called The Originals. It's about vampires. Yes. Uh, and one of the, the, the folklore things is, you know, the vampire can't come inside unless you invite them. Mm. And isn't that true about God? He gave us this incredible gift called free will. And we have the free will to shut him out. He gave us that gift. So when we consistently say, no, God, I'll do it. Well, he steps back. He's obligated mm. to step back and allow us to try because he gave us the gift. So he's going to respect that gift and he's going to get out of the way. When we turn around and say, no, not for me, but for your glory, for the benefit of others, not that I get glorified in this action but that you can get connected with love. And I, I think that that's something that has changed for me over, over time is to really try to get in touch with that God, mm. the loving, kind, gentle, peaceful God. And to understand that, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, the, the book, mm -hmm. is about a gentleman who is persecuted in the Second World War, uh, and he's a psychologist, and he, he really writes about, I uh, momentarily forget his name, um, Viktor Frankl. And one of the things that he talks about is how to find peace and tranquility in the moment. Christ spoke about the kingdom of God being ever-present. It was, it was near. It was imminent. Mm. What if, and I'm not saying this as doctrine or anything like that. I'm just saying that if you could momentarily just be completely satisfied with everything you have accomplished at this moment in time, to really feel fulfilled and then say, in that moment of fulfillment, I give myself to your service. 
I give myself to whatever is needed by the universe, not not by me, because I have no need. Mm. Have I eaten? Yes. Have I slept well? Have I taken care of my physical needs? Yes. So do I need in this moment right now, do I need anything? No. I, I, I don't actually need anything. So I'm in fact free to offer myself to say, well, use me. What comes to mind now, what I'm feeling, what I'm sensing, is that that is exactly what you do when you work on your client, your patient, in yeah. that moment. Because I've experienced your, your work, mm. the amount of energy, you know. Mm. Um, Shanley gave me your number, and, and after I experienced your work, I called and I said, he's not just a massage therapist, what is he? <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. because I felt the energy, mm. I felt the presence from a spiritual perspective. Mm, mm, I mean, I've mm. been to lots of uh, massage places. I've been mm -hmm. to lots of spas, but that was very different. Please tell us yeah. a bit more about that. So, so let's be clear about who you're experiencing. In the physical, it's my hands. Mm. But in the spiritual, it's definitely not me. That is God. So that energy that you talk about, that is God. That is the source of life. That is his very presence resonating into your body. Mm. When two people agree, listen, we're going to allow love and peace and kindness to fulfill this temple. So a body is a temple. If I get my ego out of the way, you can feel that presence. Mm. If I stand in the way of it and I pretend to be the clever one, the smart one, I'm going to do that. It, it, it gets, it gets very difficult to tell. And you can feel that in the person's hands. You can feel when I'm momentarily drifted off and I'm actually thinking about supper and what I should get and when is load shedding coming, you know, mm. you can, you can feel the presence of my thoughts in that moment. And, and, and we can feel that. In anybody, anywhere around, in, in, a, in a boardroom, you can see who's paying attention, who's not paying attention, uh, who's present in the moment. So our, our energy is trapped in the body. It's in our bones, it's in our muscles, it's in our fibers, it's in our nerves, it's caught in the blood, and it is located or, or resident in certain organs around the body. Mm. And that's what that massage practice is about, is bringing into the present moment all of the love that you can possibly allow because it's not my love that you're receiving, it's God's love. Mm. It's not me. I'm simply massaging and... and stretching fibers uh, and at the same time praying for it mm. and and so that allows for the healing of past and all of the the agony that lies in the body the and and, mm, and the emptying of the those those past traumas mm. so for a lot of us we're going like i'm still carrying this flipping baggage I've had this trauma. I've done all the work. I've done all the intellectual exercise. Um, so, so, so one of the strategies of the enemy of our souls is to divide and conquer. Mm. 
So if I separate the solution to the problem, it's much harder for you to figure out how to do it. And that's part of the dilemma is that if you've got a massage, but there's no clear intention in that massage, what you get is a rub. You get your muscles stretched and that's fine, but you have no spiritual experience out of it. But when you get somebody who is deeply and profoundly connected to God and says, listen, do your work here. I'll get out the way. I'll just stretch the body. He then has the opportunity to really release the the the, the tension that's sitting mm-hmm. in that body. And you as a person can feel that. You experience it. You can't necessarily put your finger on it because none of us can. But you walk away from the experience going, that was very different. Mm. That was that was unique. You spoke about uh, servanthood. Mm. And I think once one realizes who they are in God, mm. you then start developing this sense of wanting to serve. Mm. Right? Um, now, imagine if leaders, whether it be of private corporations, whether it be of nation states, mm. if they had that sense of servant leadership within them, how, how do you think the world would look mm. like? You know, or let's just bring it home. Yeah. How do you think South Africa would look like? Oh, we wouldn't recognize it. We, we would not recognize a, a, a country that operated that way. None of us are the same. So we're all different. We're mm. all unique expressions of love. Uh, and all of us have to face that first challenge of, for whom am I here? Why, why am I here? Mm. And, and initially, the first and, and the immediate answer to that as a child is to say, oh, I'm here for myself, right? Well, let's assume that we were sitting at the dinner table. You have to eat a meal. But what else could you be doing whilst eating a meal? You could be participating in the conversation. So even though you have to eat, you have to be present. So you could sit at the, at the, at the dinner table, hoarding everything that you can, taking as much of the food for yourself as you possibly could, thinking, okay, well, I'm going to do this. But what if everybody else around the table after the meal, had to get in a boat and we had to row or we had to go for a run. Hmm. And now you've taken all the food for yourself. <laughs> you've eaten it. You haven't been able to finish everything, but you've taken it all. So not everybody's eaten. So the other people around the table are now going to be weak and they're going to be unable to run down the road or do whatever activity it was because you've reserved the food for them. Think about the total number of people in this country. And how many people we've got with incredible, incredible skills. And none of us know about it. Mm. That person's light, their uniqueness is not able to shine because a small number of people are preventing that from happening. Mm. You know, imagine if you took profit away from the, the hamster wheel. If you stopped focusing people's minds on the fact that that's what they had to do Mm. and we focus them around service, what would happen? Instead of if you just take a a simple thing like um, visas, car licenses, anything in the public domain where Mm -hmm. you've got to go and receive it, that person, instead of going, oh, I've got to do something in order to get a salary so that I can go home. If you, if you removed all of that 
demand, that that need, and said, no, listen, you don't need to worry about your 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 uh, food bill because that's going to get taken care of. Mm. That your job is expressly about how many people yes, you yes. can serve. Well. We'd, we'd have a completely different country. I, I, it wouldn't be, re- I don't think it would be recognizable, not the world over. I mm. think that many of the crises that we are facing right now are because of a, a thing that we all fight. We all fight greed. That's our enemy. Mm. It's not one another. You know, the minute I locate greed and go, oh, it's you, it's, and I point my finger at you, we've missed the boat. Mm. We know that we've missed the boat. People are too, we're too silly. We we too we we don't have enough knowledge. We we really don't know enough about what it is we're doing here. Imagine an apple seed having an argument with the apple tree. <laughs> it would be ridiculous. <laughs> and that's what's happening. We we we've, we're seeds. We're going to be released to become something different. But if all you focused on is me, myself, and I, that intention is sure to create isolation it's divisive Mm. and it's that awareness right i think that is critical to any sort of change being Mm. aware of where we are at as individuals and you know one can can also connect this to when you have a patient lying on your massage bed are they aware of the baggage that they're carrying within themselves? Mm. And this is where I think that awareness, if it is met with the intention to heal, it sort of like becomes easier to navigate that particular journey. So mm. I think awareness is, is a very important part of mm. any sort of healing or, or change. It's the very first step is to actually become aware. What is my baggage? Mm. So for some people, that might be a verbal process. You you might need to talk it out of the body. The body empties. You feel, ah, oh, I've had a, I've had relief. I've, the weight on my shoulders is off because I've spoken about my problems. So for some people, it works that way. For some people, they need to go and do something. Punch a punching bag. Run a race. Uh, they, they they need to physically do something to release to get rid of the and it feels okay. Now I've gotten rid of it. Other people, uh, if, me for example, if you ask me to sit down and meditate and to be you know one with the world, it it lasts a split second. <laughs> I, I start thinking about the bee, you know, that's going to land on my shoulder. I start th- contemplating the leaf. My my head is too busy. I I, I you, you know it doesn't work for me. But if you distract my body in a massage so that my body doesn't know what's going on, oh, I can feel that whilst I'm doing that, mm. I get the opportunity to meditate and I can get into a very, very deep meditation in that space. When somebody else is massaging me and praying, it's a silent prayer, you're unaware of it. And, and, and this is sometimes we explain what it is that we're praying for. But in that space, I can get very deeply meditative uh, and, and, and I can have transformative healing take place. Mm. I can become aware of things that I've long since shut away. And the advantage of the massage or massage or touch therapy, should I say, is that I don't have to explain it. If I want to lie and cry for two hours during a massage while somebody is gently caring, lovingly nurturing me, and I want to let go of 
past trauma. Mm. I don't have to explain in, in that to anybody. I don't actually even have to verbalize it. You know, the, 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 the Bible says that when you've run out of words or you don't know what to say, don't worry. The Spirit will speak on your behalf. So I, I trust implicitly that that is what's happening. Mm. Language is a construct. Not, none of us speak language. It's not part of us. So it's, it's, it's something that got created to help us uh, actually confuse us. So, so, so language is not a thing. Um, it, it's a thing that we've given value to. Mm. Um, and, and the more you give it value, the more power it holds over you. There are words that we've given a lot of power to. Uh, and so when you give the same sort of power to a memory of a past event and you don't let go of it, your body will relive that event over and over and over mm. again. So during the massage, that's what's happening is that we're taking that energy and saying, just just breathe it out. Mm. You don't need to speak about it. You don't need to ex- explain it. You can just simply set it aside. And I think that that's where a lot of people are starting to go like, oh, I, I've been trying to get rid of this stuff. I've been, I've, I've dealt with it. I've dealt with it. Mm. But the truth of the matter is, you never deal with it. it it's a part of who we are. Mm. You, you can't suddenly magically switch it off. The, the denial or the putting it in a box and pretending that it doesn't exist doesn't help. You need to pick up the weight so that you can no longer be affected by it. I, instead of running away from it, we need to embrace it. And, and say, okay, this is a part of what I am and, and who I am, and uh, I'm not going to give it any airtime in, in who I am today. A lot of the time people speak about energy, mm. but I don't think we really understand the magnitude of the impact that energy can have on mm. our bodies, let alone our emotions. Mm. So when you are speaking to your patient and they are able to open up to you and release words. Remember, words are the meaning we give to our experiences. Yes. Maybe they might think they're releasing it through words by talking to you. Mm. But from an energy perspective, mm. what happens and how important is that release of energy mm. critical to the process of healing? Mm. So energy is a big subject. And energy can also be described as being God. God is, is, is energy. He is love. He is the source of all life. But there are also very physical manifestations of energy and how it works. A resonance is an energy. There isn't a single thing that isn't alive. Everything has energy with it. And because of that, it is all alive. How fast it is living. A rock. Everybody looks at a rock and we go, oh, it's dead. It's not dead. It's just a very slow-moving form of life. Uh, it gets molten lava. It has a birth. And, 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 and islands get, over years, uh, eroded and they, and they disappear into the ocean. So mm. there's a life and a death to a rock even. It's a different expression of life than what we might be accustomed to. But it's, it's still alive. So there's lots of different things relating to energy. What becomes important is where is that energy located? What have we done with it? Mm. So if you've got trauma and you keep reenacting that trauma in your body, it will manifest. It will manifest as a physical pain. It will manifest as an illness. It will manifest as an unproductive cycle in, in your life. And so those words the meaning that you have given to some trauma and you keep speaking it over your body. Now, maybe you've gotten good at saying, I'm not, I'm no longer speaking it out. 
but I'm thinking it inward. Mm, well, it's more dangerous. Well, it's probably more dangerous because the the physical world is this thin, tiny, thin layer between the spiritual world and the unconscious mind. And that unconscious mind, nine tenths of what we what we we say, is 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 happening unconsciously. And so to become aware of that unconscious energy and the value that you've associated with it, that's critical to our healing. That that's vital to you becoming well. Is to start with, where is this thing? Where's the root of where it goes? If I can find it, then I can heal it. Hmm. But do you think um, people are often aware of these energies and these thought patterns because energies are, or it could be thought patterns, you know, trapped around a specific area that causes a specific type of tension in our body, you know, which is a specific sort of energy. How aware are people of the negative thought patterns and how they could be affecting who they are or how they experience mm. life every day. My experience is that people are not aware. They have located their thoughts as to what they are consciously aware of and gone, okay, because I'm not consciously aware of it, it's obviously not happening. And that's just not the truth. So I, my experience tells me that people are completely unaware of their unconscious patterns and they need help and assistance from someone to become aware of it. It's unlikely that people become aware of the areas that they need healing in on their own. Mm. I know that you did a lot of training around the Hawaiian sort of massage. Mm. From our previous conversation and some of the stuff I've watched around this type of work, I know that prayer is a very significant part of facilitating that healing. How has that been like for you? How do you integrate prayer in in the work that you do? Mm. So in my own personal journey, one of the uh, learning points was that Prayer is a conversation. Uh, it's not something that happens. It can happen at specific times and with others, uh, but it's generally a conversation that you're having all the time. God is ever-present. Love is ever-present. So you're always praying. Every word is a prayer. The question is, what are you praying for? So when I encountered the language of the Hawaiian healing processes, that way of expressing healing was a little bit more accepting. It wasn't as divisive. It didn't say, this is right and wrong. Mm. It was more, no, no, there's things that are unproductive and things that are productive, which which is a little bit more tolerable than hearing you're wrong or you're right. right. Mm. Okay. So when I uncovered this, and they talk about uh, a whole host of Areas in the body, so like bones, trap memory. And the memories of our genetic heritage are located in the bones. From a medical point of view, uh, there's going to be a whole host of other pieces of information that get added to that body of knowledge so that we can understand where does genetic coding come from, how does Mm. it arrive in the body. Um, But from an energy point of view, the history of our, our genealogy is going to be in our bones. 
So when you are massaging, your, your prayerful intention when you're moving over the body is that you are asking for that person to be healed from the areas in the body that you, you're working over. So I developed my prayer, which I teach to my therapists, around the wounds of Christ mm. because it made a lot of practical sense to me and I believe that there is a spiritual connection with our bodies and the things we do. So, for example, our hands. Our hands are a representation of things that we have consciously done. It's n not many people are walking around doing stuff without being aware of it. Mm. You know, not, not, not unless you sleepwalking, and even then those actions are going to be pretty small. For most of us, when we do something with our hands, it's because we know we're doing it. Mm. So for the times in your life that you knew, mm, I probably shouldn't do that, but you did it anyway. You've created a, a wound, an energetic wound, which is resident in the body. You're reminded oh, wow. of it each time. Every time you think, <sighs> I remember I shouldn't have done that. You're reminded of it. And so the more you are reminded, you create the spiritual pathway for the spirit to remind you and to, to frustrate you, mm. to create that guilt. They're fishing in your unconscious mind all the time to try and remind you. Oh, do you remember that time when you did this? So everything that becomes an anchor for you becomes a reminder for you driving down the same road. Now suddenly you're reminded, oh, I remember going down there. That party was really bad. I shouldn't have done that. You know? <laughs> you, you're reminded of these things. So you see the same person that was at the party. You're in a completely unrelated in, environment now, but this, you see someone that you recognize from that party and now you're reminded of this thing that you did that you shouldn't have done. You know, And so these things happen all the time. And they're from tiny little things from I shouldn't have eaten that cookie to the really, you know, big atrocious things. things, the mm. big things in our lives that really create a big distance between us and the spiritual world, between us and God. And the way to do that is to remind yourself that you're not good enough or that you've made mistakes. And so you're, you're not you're not capable of being loved. Right. Mm. So now when you're in the presence of somebody who is practicing, it's referred to as agape love, love that is just simply there available for you to make use of. I care for you. I love you. And I am God's representative to your temple in this moment. And that what I'm trying to help you with is removing the tension that is located in the physical layer. Mm. Your job is to get into the mind and to become aware of when that particular area of the body is stretched and massaged or touched what comes to mind what thought if you can imagine somebody who's got a, a, a pan and they've, they're sifting for gold as they sift out you, you know we, 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 we're massaging the body what rises to the surface is the thing that's trapped there and maybe you've got this little gold nugget now uh, we can refer to it as trauma or we can refer to it as the thing that brings you salvation the the, the very thing that causes you to heal mm. so sometimes people are thinking they're walking around going oh life is not working with the way i wanted to but it's that very thing that can cause your salvation, your happiness, your what? peace, your gentleness can come from the very thing that's angering you, mm. that, that, that's causing you the, the upset. Mm. So the, the, the prayerfulness itself is related to hands when you were given what you have. You were given your way of thinking. You were given a set of beliefs. You were given a disposition towards life that was not of your choosing it came from your grandparents it came from your parents it came from the whole history how Lineage. all of them arrived your genealogy 
that got passed on to you. You have the right to decide whether or not you want to live with it. You get to choose that actually as an adult. But when you start out life, we don't know that. We have to discover that actually I've got the right to choose that. And that's very profound because I think a lot of the time we tend to think that it has to be, things have to be this way, you know, whether it is the burdens subconsciously that we carry um, that come from our lineage, Mm. right? And I think people are often not aware of how that line of ancestors, the people that came before us, their patterns, how that could affect who we have become. Yes. You know, um, and knowing that we have a choice to not become like that if it is not what we want, whether mm. it is the spirit of guilt, mm. which takes away from our sense of worthiness, because all of these things, they ultimately do one thing. They, they teach us that we are not enough. Mm. We are not enough. So you, you, we can't fully pursue our dreams because we are not capable. Because Mm. you know that you are going to air, you are going to do something that you did a couple of weeks ago that you were not, so you don't even try. Mm. So Mm. it robs people of so much of experiencing Mm. life with all of its richness. Mm. 100%. And and I think that that's the value of that massage is that it it, it gives you the awareness to go, I didn't realize that that perspective that I was looking through this window and only this window in my life, I actually I choose not to look through it anymore. So that process of healing is still the process. So one of the things about the, the massage, the massage gives you the opportunity to sift out the things that you need to become aware of. Your healing process continues when you're away from the massage. Now you're dialoguing with people, you're, you're journaling, you're, you're noticing Oh, Sherbet, I'm I'm looking through that lens again. Mm. I I, I see that I'm looking at this this way. I grew up incredibly poor. So one of the perspectives that I have is that I can't. I I might say that. I might have the tendency, the natural, that's my go-to. Oh, wow, I'm going to open up a new branch. Oh, but I can't. I don't have the money. Mm. That's a, a natural and expected sort of lens to look through. Well, that's a choice. So the minute you become aware that, oh, hold on, looking through that window, that's a choice. Oh, wow, I don't have to look through that window anymore. Now you can ask yourself different questions. If I don't have to look through that window, what other window could I look through? So ask another question. Instead of I can't afford it, ask the question, how can I afford it? Mm -hmm. It's a better question. A better thing to be saying to yourself rather than stating it as a fact. Now you're closing the door. You ask yourself a question and you go, oh, well, I'm very creative. I can find a way to make that happen. So I, I think that that's the, the, the value. The, the massage is not just the massage. It's, it's mental coaching. It, it comes with a layer of now take this away, go home, journal, draw, write poetry, whatever it is that you do. And then when you come back for your next massage, we look at the next thing. So there are seven elements of questions that we frame it around. One of which is, are you looking at the world in a productive way or an unproductive way? Mm -hmm. Because whatever way you look at the world, you will always see the world the way you've chosen to see it. So if you choose to see the world as an angry, competitive environment and that you are not 
competent in f- you you know competing on mm-hmm. this fa- well that's what you're going to see mm-hmm. no matter what goes on you always see that it's that law of uh, one of the laws of the universe right that um cause and effect uh, if you believe it the world or the universe will prove yeah. you right and it yes. will give you what you believe i can't remember if it's henry ford i could be misquoting him but one of them said whether you believe you can or whether believe you, or whether you believe you can't you're either right. way you're right and, and and that's that's the truth of the matter, and, that, and so it's those things that when we start a massage, getting that intention into your head so that you know why you are receiving the massage. Mm. I know why I'm giving the massage, and in that space, suddenly when we stretch out a calf muscle, and you suddenly go, oh, I don't know why, but I'm suddenly thinking about all these things from the past. And you can't understand why that thought did. You know, you had no reason to be thinking about it. But suddenly it's in in your mind space now. I learned that through researching on internal family systems, um, how these thought patterns exist in our minds. You know, and it's almost like different personalities, but it might also be linked to the different personalities or experiences of the people within our families Mm. and how all of that has affected or influenced how we perceive things. So I don't think uh, we we often realize how our um, immediate family structures influence who we become and the thought patterns that we that we carry, whether we know it or not, Mm. but but they're there. That's absolutely true. If there was three things, practical things you could share for people to live a more harmonious life with themselves, because I think it's really important that we look within for this Mm. peace that we want. The first thing would be about the tension to become aware of the moment in this moment right now where am i holding tension in my body Mm -hmm. am i lifting my shoulders am i tightening my back is my bum pinched are my legs tight what what where is my tension in the physical body and that will bring about peace in the body the second would be would so so to to become aware of where that tension is and then to relax it to mm. to physically contemplate okay let your shoulders go down you know mm. to, and to do that regularly throughout the day. The the second would be to be where is my mind in the sense of is it on today or have I spent the last little bit of time remembering past things or was I worrying about future things. Because the minute we can locate ourselves in the here and now, we become real. The past has finished. It's done. It has nothing new to teach you. It's already happened. So no matter what you do, you can't change the past. So to spend any amount of time there, other than to go, thank you for teaching me that lesson, is a waste of energy. You're wasting your presence. To be worrying about the future is to be contemplating things that may never happen. And, and the research tells us that about 70 to 90% of what we worry about never actually act, even happens. So you're again wasting money. That, that's sort of like betting on a horse that you know is not in the race. It's stupid. 
It's, it, it, I mean, it's complete. It's, it's, it's illogical, right? I'm going to worry is. about this potential future that we know is never going to happen. What? It, it's, it's such a way. So if we can bring our thoughts into the present moment, and I'm not just talking about the, my, my, my active thoughts. Mm-hmm. What thoughts am I bringing and, 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 and using to give advice. So if you think about it like a, like, like voices in your head, uh, whose voice is talking about the decision to buy a house or to buy a car? Whose voice is it? Is it my dad who said, no, don't spend any money, buy a cheap car because you can't afford. Are you listening to a previous boss who said, you're not worthy of that car? Are you, are you, whose voice is talking mm-hmm. in your active mind? And when we can do all of that, we can make ourselves present here and now. Whose voice do I choose to listen to? Who's got good advice for me and who's got absolutely rubbish advice? Mm. And would I want to give that voice any airtime right now? And, and the, the, the last piece is to contemplate that spiritual connection. For a, the subject of another conversation is the, the issue of past lives mm. and, and connecting to the spirit world. And, and when we are actually talking or communing with them and how they would talk to us mm. is an important element of where am I? What's actually happening with me right now, right here? What service can I be of that world? I think that that would make a huge difference in people's lives. The minute somebody is talking about something that happened several years ago, we know that they're not talking about today. Mm. And that's wasted energy. So fundamentally, learning to frequently check in with ourselves. Yeah. Hmm. Be present. It's the only thing that matters. And Matthew, where can our listeners find you? (laughs) I am based in Centurion. I have a a practice right in the heart of Centurion. Uh, It's close to the highway, um, and I work six days a week from eight until nine. I have a YouTube channel. Uh, I, I, I'm better at talking than I am at writing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if you get, I, I'm not good at writing articles. I get bogged down in the detail of it. Um, so I'm trying to put out more YouTube videos. So, so over the years, I've written a, a quite a few articles mm-hmm. um, about the three different systems, body, mind, spirit. And so the relationship between the body system is a complex system. It's it's related to lots of different things that influence it with energy. Mm -hmm. So particular foods have different energy signatures and they can create or remove health depending on what you're needing. Um, And so those articles about how you deal with a particular condition, if you're dealing with lupus, what foods should you be eating? So I've written a lot of content, but I'm converting that into a YouTube channel because I find it easier to put the video out rather than write more articles. Okay. And that would be your website, www.kahehands. Kahehands. Kahe is K-A-H-E and then hands.coza. And kahe is the uh, Hawaiian colloquial term for full or flowing. Mm. That holistic approach mm. to the being. Generous. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much, um, Matthew. Cool. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the invitation. Thank you for sharing your time with us today. I truly hope you learned something new 
felt something and were inspired to cultivate a more conscious life. I'd love to connect with you, hear your thoughts and stories. Please feel free to reach out. Our contact details can be found on monzm.co.za. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.